Is that Glock? Well, I'm tripping major nutsack right now. Oh, send it! Welcome to the world of winning. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Switchback Formula One podcast. Coming to you on this Monday morning. Ha ha ha. My name is Graham and joining me today is Luke Holmes. Hi, Luke. Hi, Graham. Hi, I don't know what that was. I just I ran out of words. <laughs> it's, it's easy to do. It's yeah. Easy to do. So we're back. It's race week. So F1 <laughs> heads to Portimao for the Portuguese Grand Prix. I think a very happy return, I think, as well to this track. I think everyone's pretty pleased about it. Yeah, I think out of all the tracks, Portimao and Turkey are the ones that were most wanted back after Magello's not going to come back, I don't think, but... Not this year, at least. Uh, Turkey's still mm. on the, uh, of course, the whole Turkey and Canada thing is still kind of up in the air at the moment. I was pro- actually, before we get into the things, I'm surprised we haven't heard more about or anything about that yet. I, I was expecting that to come up quite quickly. Like the, straight after we recorded, I was expecting the next day to see Canada cancelled, Turkey drops in, done. Yeah, I honestly thought so as well. Uh, but no, nothing of the sort yet. So keep posted on that. But before we head into some of the kind of the the news related items from the from the week, some plenty of stuff to talk about. Uh, obviously, it's been a week since the uh, hold on the Pirelli Grand Premio del Maiden Italy a del Emilia Romagna Grand Prix uh, took place at Imola, of course. Uh, obviously, Max Verstappen won. We went into detail about that last week, but. I guess one of the things that kind of came up, uh, this kind of tr- began trending more through Sunday evening slash late afternoon. But obviously, it seemed that Mercedes boss Toto Wolf kind of seemed to shift from being unsure about, obviously, the much talked about George Russell Valtteri Bottas incident to sliding over towards uh, Bottas's side on the matter. And then we had, I think on Sunday evening, actually, later Sunday evening, and then I think on Monday, did uh, Russell come out himself and kind of backtrack on his pretty firmly, firmly stanced view on this incident. He was very adamant at the time. Yeah, I think a lot of that was adrenaline at the time, taking over and his, him being like, right, I was not wrong. I definitely didn't do anything wrong. And stamp, making... His point known that he's not going to back down, and he eventually did back down, as we know. But mm. I don't think he had too much of a choice in this instance. I again, it's it really was six of one, half a dozen of the other. Uh, I don't think you could have really conclusively blamed either driver, but obviously with Russell being the 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 younger driver, the less experienced driver, the one that's not in the Mercedes seat yet, and Bottas the one that is. I do think there is some there is definitely some element of truth to saying that when uh, Wolf alluded to the fact that maybe George he felt he had something to prove, I definitely think there was he knew. Oh, look, you're very he's very clear. About, he's very he very much knew who was in front of him. I do think that played somewhat in his mind. Uh, whether that was the same for Bottas, I'm not sure. But the thing that Wolf said is that Bottas has nothing to prove, which or along those lines. That's not a direct quote, but that's he alluded to that that. But Valtteri isn't driving with something to prove. Eh, I'm not sure how I feel about that. But I do think, yeah, I think I think Russell was kind of, well, I'm not going to say forced, but uh, I certainly think he uh, perhaps maybe wouldn't have wanted to have backed down, but ended up softening his stance regardless. Yeah, I think he's come back to it and realised, right, if, if, I don't, if I come out basically blaming Bottas and it's, it's going to be a bad look for me, I, I'm going to be sort of weakening my chance of getting that Mercedes seat if I go against the mould, which is which is something he doesn't really need to do when you've got Max Verstappen and other drivers being linked to that Mercedes seat for next season if they both decide not to sign up mm. as Bottas and Hamilton. Uh, the, the quote from Russell, uh, I should have handled the situation differently, was what he was what he was what he, was what he, was what he uh, said in the end. So, I do think Russell's in good contention for the seat regardless, but does need to, well, certainly the worst thing he could have done in, in that instance was coming to a Mercedes driver. Again, it, I think he's looked fortunate in the sense that it was one of those where it wasn't really 
either his fault, but if it was a situation where he was very much at fault, uh, that obviously would have gone over a little bit, uh, I don't think as smooth as than what, what actually happened in the end. Yeah, but we had a similar situation when Vettel went to the back of Weber in Fuji, I think it was, before he got promoted. So, mm. And that didn't really affect anything, did it? So, no. Well, it's a rare race at the end of the day. Things happen. Mistakes happen. They've just got to sort it out in-house and then get on with it. Yeah, uh, I remember Weber was very unhappy. I think because he was only yeah. like fourth or something in those very difficult conditions. Awful and conditions. He was uh, not not impressed. But that, that was 2008, right? It might have been. It was 2008, 2009, one of the two. Yeah, I think it was eight because I think 2007 was one he was puking in the helmet with uh, yes. food poisoning. And then, Very famous. Oh, that'd be horrible. Could you imagine listening to that today? Ugh. Anyways. Yeah, they'd, they would, they'd overplay it, wouldn't they, as well? <laughs> they would. Anyways, moving on from that, there's nothing too much to say about the uh, Imola race, really. The rest is kind of in, in the water, so to speak, but uh, no pun intended, of course. The other thing that we were talking about last week that we alluded to uh, was this Aston Martin story on... Uh, so, obviously, regulation changes came in this year to uh, cut down force. This is something all the teams agreed on. Uh, they all agreed that this needed to happen, including Aston Martin. Uh, now, I want, obviously, this year a lot has been talked about rake and high rake and low rake. Can I just point this out that this is this idea of rake is nothing new. Uh, Red Bull have been in this philosophy for a while. I remember reading an article about this on I think it was might have been after the Hungara Ring one year. I don't know if it was eighteen or nineteen, but basically how looked how Red Bull continued to look for their high rake, uh, you know, continue to go with a high rake philosophy. And I was thinking at the time looking at this why this doesn't work this clearly doesn't work you're not winning this way surely it's time to change it now obviously uh, obviously they'd be glad they didn't but this idea of rake is nothing new but to aston martin in particular and obviously in a lesser so mercedes they've really been hurt by this lack of this, this downforce cut in their low rake philosophy on the car uh otmar Safnar spoke at great length and very clearly, I would say, very definitively on the matter in the build-up to the race. Uh, so all across the weekend, Friday, Saturday, these quotes are going around. And they were calling for changes to be made in season, which you can't actually do unless it's for safety grounds. I think Ted Kravitz was discussing this on his uh, qualifying notebook, or I, th- I think, or something of the sort. It was definitely Ted Kravitz who was discussing this. And the way Aston Martin published, uh, they quote, the deficit that was imposed upon us by the FIA, end quote, which is a pretty strong thing to say before then alluding to the fact that if these changes weren't made, that they would be threatening legal action. It was bizarre to say the least, because first of all, well, Christian Horner called it naive, uh, first, uh, that was, that's a the quote naive was what, the, what uh, Horner said, and Horner said a few things about it, but he called it naive and also brought up something that obviously the front wing changes that came a few years ago in 2019 uh, was something Red Bull was very much against, but it was something that Red Bull had to accept and was reminded, then reminded that everyone that Aston Martin agreed to these these changes, these these changes to cut downforce. And obviously it affected the low rake cars a little more. And so a lot has happened on this so before we get into the development of the story which have emerged since then what has been your take on aston martin and this almost nonsensical call for a change that can't even happen in the first place i think it's just aston realizing that they've not been as successful as they may have once thought when they came out with the blocks in bahrain they, they've seen that car, how and what it can do last season, and they should have got third Yes, by Rice. That car this year should not be necessarily getting third, but they would have thought, right, fourth would be another good finish for us before we switch up. And I think that it's Lawrence Stroll just being like, why the hell are we doing this bad after mm. these first two races or so and wanting things to change on the spot when it's just, it's just stupid. You can't change it like that. I think it's that's ex- work. yeah. I think that's exactly why. I think it's very much led from Lawrence Stroll. And obviously, uh, you know, the guys under them have to end up being the mouthpiece for that, like Otmar Safnair yeah. and the such. So 
it's kind of rough on now I'm sure maybe Safnar feels somewhat of what Lawrence Stroll is feeling but I definitely think this is definitely driven by Stroll and the fact that they haven't but obviously testing was a I won't say a disaster but close enough to it given where they were last year as well and obviously the reliability problems and obviously the things with Vettel and that kind of thing and then the first race didn't go first race was better than I think arguably you would have thought so after qualifying after both cars were knocked out in Q1 and again decent turn of pace from Stroll even on the race itself obviously that came after these uh, these comments so it was very strange to say the least uh, I think it is definitely them being sore to an extent but there has been a development on this front where Safnar has uh, softened his stance uh, you sent me the quote I believe uh, the quote was that the Aston were pretty satisfied that all the correct steps were followed. So they wanted to continue to discussions with the FIA. I believe there's still more to come in terms of yeah, discussions. But I don't know. It, this this whole situation this whole situation has been very strange. And the sooner it gets it gets put to bed, the better. But at least at least somewhat now with these developments, it looks like we won't be seeing a farcical uh, legal process throughout the season for something that was agreed upon in the first place. Yeah, it's just, it's just Aston Martin throwing the toys out of the pram. Well, that's all this is. Yeah, we're we're not doing as well as we thought we should be. We want it to be sorted now. No, it's not how it works. Get over it. Yeah, sort it out for twenty twenty two. Yeah, God, 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 put the work in yourself. God, put the hard work in everyone. Look, there's a lot of teams that aren't where they want to be. Uh, Mercedes, obviously, Alpine, as well. So you know, you you've the only way to get through it is well, you get over it is get through it basically. So yeah develop that car if you want to i mean again it's no point yeah well again well this is something that was discussed i think recently as well that the money you actually would uh it doesn't apparently the money that you would make from finishing i guess you get obviously get you obviously get more the higher you finish in the standings but i think some teams are weighing up whether they want to take the take more money this year by developing the car and finishing higher in the standings or how they set themselves up for 2022 and beyond where the, the regulations change and Maybe you're setting yourself up for the next three, four years, possibly, and you know what the what the benefit of those, you know, what your decision on developing this year's car may be. So, uh, Aston Martin, uh, I, th- I don't know. I think they'll want to commit somewhat to at least moving a little bit further up the grid, if nothing to just to keep Lawrence Stroll happy. But look, he's going to pump yeah. in the money regardless. So it's just <laughs> more so the the time and resources with other people that. Uh, I guess Aston Martin need to consider here, but yeah, uh, hopefully we hear less about this because honestly, it was nonsense at the time. It's it's nonsense now, and uh, yeah, it's not. They just, they just need to just get on with it, as you said. Yeah, that's it. The other thing that broke from last weekend that we said we'd uh, discuss a bit more detail was the Miami Grand Prix. So if you can remember back two weeks ago, I believe, or was it? Yeah, two weeks ago, we talked. We discussed Miami and the possibility of how you know they seem to have found their breakthrough. Uh, we weren't really sure well we kind of knew we kind of figured it was coming i don't think maybe it's well sunday morning was an interesting time to announce this uh, on race day yeah but bizarre. Uh, i would have thought maybe in the evening or something but uh sunday morning apparently was when it was uh announced and a 10-year deal for the miami grand prix surrounding the hard rock stadium and miami gardens uh, it, uh, we've learned lots more about the track itself it's a 5.41-kilometer track with 19 turns with three possible DRS zones. Uh, the official F1, uh, well, F1 and all the socials, they put out a theoretical lap of what this circuit would might look, well, will likely look like. Uh, also using, I can't, I, do you notice on the, uh, I'm watching it here again and playing in front of me, they have the things over the wheels, obviously for the 22 regulations. <laughs> uh, yes, I see that. Getting everyone uh, set up for that. But looking at this lap, it reminds me of a combination of Vietnam, which ugh, uh, now we never got to see Vietnam. But if you want to take the Codemasters F1 2020 representation of that track, then uh, not the prettiest thing in the world to uh, to drive uh, if you're playing the game, at least. So I can only imagine what it might have been like in real life. Now that Grand Prix may still come back. They were, uh, Stefano Domenicali was was discussing this. Uh, they that that track might come back. So no. Uh, we've. I'm so I'm sorry, dude. It's. Not my no, I'm not. I'm not doing that cut track on F1 games ever again. <laughs> it's not my words. Uh, you don't have to worry about it next year. But I think such such with the time and money put into this, I think it, it probably will end up coming back at some stage. Um, 
yeah, I mean, so it reminds me of a, a combination of Vietnam, a combination of a Zandvoort, and I see some actually elements of Port of Mouth here with some elevation changes. Uh, it's, Korea sprung to mind for me as well. Yeah, there's a few Korea aspects here. So, so it's an amalgamation yeah. of a few different things. Now, look, the the first look video obviously won't be the real thing, obviously, but I don't know. It's it's hard it's hard to uh, make a proper assessment on these kinds of things. And we saw obviously with Jeddah earlier as well in the in the year with that theoretical track as well. It's it's going to be hard to say how it's like we won't know really until we get there how this actually unfolds because look it's one thing to see on paper or on video at least <laughs> kind of not well graphically done but I don't know well it's it's ten years so we're going to have to get used to it do we have to I I don't see it lasting ten years well I think it'll end up swapping and doing like what Germany did with Hockenheim and and. Uh... No burgering. Doing one year at one and one year at the other. Unless they want to do another street race around USA. I think Zach Brown was talking about this during the week as well. Was he, and I'm all for this, a possible, like, talking about like F1 maybe coming back to Indianapolis. I really like that track. I, like, even not obviously, when you talk about Indianapolis, we're not talking about the Oval for F1. We're talking about the Inner Circuit, which... I want to do the Oval. <laughs> nope. Uh, <laughs> not happening. Um... I really like that track. I I think you've got great overtaking possibilities. It would be a very even you could you could pluck that track in now and it would be great for overtaking. I, I you very clearly you stick your DRS zones, you stick it on the main straight, you stick it in that little infield area, and yeah. as you head down towards there. Well, I think it would be during sector two, but I really like that track. I think it would be great for to return. So who knows in the future? But because I think F one they want more races in the states. Yeah, and in China, I've read as well. A couple in China, a couple of uh, three in the US is what I think they're trying to do. Break which is, which is a lot. It is a lot, but breaking into this US demographic now is a very important thing because uh, look, it's not been no secret. Drive to Survive has brought in a lot of different and new F one fans, but I think more, none more so than what it's done in the states Definitely. with this series. So going in on this is huge you want to take advantage of this momentum and this is an excellent way for f1 to start they've wanted this for years now they finally got it uh, the the details of this are very interesting I and mean, race fans have been posting about this for pretty often or pretty regularly rather uh, so the the thing that got over the line of course was a memorandum so i'm referencing the the article now which is on racefans.net i'll try and link it in the description if i remember uh, memorandum of understanding was basically the last hurdle that needed to be uh, jumped, and they agreed on that. So, uh, a lot of these things. So, here's some of the things. So, basic. Uh, so, basically, surrounding start times was one of the hurdles they had to jump. Obviously, with uh, schools and that kind of thing, and uh, you know, just wanting to, I guess, avoid clashes. It was yeah, they wanted to be. That was one of the things they were talking about. Uh, the some of the stipulations are interesting too. So the event promoter must also provide noise mitigation barriers of industry quality. To protect nearby oh. residents, so uh, I mean, could you imagine if they imagine if the V10s roll up to Miami? This thing would never. Oh. This thing would never. Like if the V. Look, the V6's car is obviously loud, but uh, if you had the V10s, even V8s running up there, geez, uh, that would be uh, be pretty mad. Uh, a five million dollar fund for community benefit programs to be administered by the city is being uh, put forward here as well uh do do pros also provide discounted tickets to the grand prix for locals allowing nearby restaurants to provide catering to fans quote without a buyout fee end quote at the event uh, another one was to invest in f1 in schools program and provide at least five paid event internships so uh, it's uh, the support of rodney uh, the mayor rodney harris uh obviously it was also another swinging factor in this as well now the, stefano de Michali said that F1 still intends to host 23 races next year, uh, which means something has got to go because this is a new event. So one of the things race, race fans was on, that's not going anywhere. Um, at least not in Jeddah. Like the Saudi Arabia Grand Prix will happen. It, it, yes. They're obviously developing. We've, we talk, I think we discussed this as well. They're building an, an actual permanent facility, I believe, as well, which in theory might be better, but... We have to. We just. They want to get into the, the the market at least for now. So, yeah, one of the things that race fans were speculating was perhaps 
Spain might be the one to drop off the calendar. They were very, uh, Stefano Domenicali was very adamant that it wasn't Cota, which I believe needs a new, uh, needs a new uh, renewal. Uh, it's one of the ones coming up soon to expire. But I, they were very adamant about Miami's and that second US Grand Prix. So pretty clear indication that they will have, they will figure something out for uh, Circuit of the Americas to continue. Not that that's news, but obviously you looking at the, the, the leases and that kind of thing, you had you had to make note of it. So. If you had to guess what track would uh, disappear, what do you think it could be? Of course, we could, it could be Spain, but it also could, could mean simply Imola or Portimao, for example. Yeah, I was going to say one of them too, but then also Singapore springs to mind if they refuse to race again this year, which is a possibility based on COVID and stuff like that. They could simply just drop off the face of the earth with terms to the Grand Prix. I probably won't see that happening, but mm. it is one of the ones that I could see seeming to drop off. And with these 23 limit that they're going for, that's that's not going to work. They're going to need to up it eventually. They can't add all these new tracks and then keep getting rid of all these really good old ones. I'm not saying Spain is a good track before we get into that. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it like, it'd be outrageous something like Austria or Belgium or something like that got dropped off in the place, in the place of a, like a Jeddah or a something like that. Oh, Russia, Russia. That would that was it. That's the one that has to go. If anything, well, that that deal is up soon, I believe, and they're on about changing the track completely. Yeah. Well, the thing is that they're doing. I believe there is a race fans article in this as well about uh, about the Russian Grand Prix and more so obviously at Sochi. Uh, they're mm-hmm. doing some work there that would drastically limit, that would drastically cut down on the length of the track would be, uh, below, I believe, the FIA standard. So I think F1's interest, I believe that article, uh, I'm not sure from when, I'm not sure if it was last year, 2019, but uh, that article referenced that F1 still wants to race in Russia, but it would have to be at another another location other than Sochi. But I'm with you, like, they obviously won't. You have to, you also forget, like, the, like, Austria was off the calendar for nearly a decade. It was, yeah. So, you know, but, as long as it's easy, it came, it could easily go again. It, it can, but it's, it's bad by Red Bull, isn't it? And it's put on some great well, now races. now it is, yeah. So I, I can't see that going anytime soon. Uh, the other one you mentioned, uh, Spa, would, I, they've, they've missed one race in Spa, which is, I believe, 2005, somehow. Uh, well, there was, I think there was works going on, but people forget Yeah, there was that. a lot. Uh, hell of a lot of works going on, wasn't there? So... The track was much different uh, when they came back. Well, most of the last chicane, kind of the sector three, kind of because you look at videos for for that track, uh, basically from two thousand four backwards. You know, the, the last sector is completely different. Like the last chicane, the, the start yes. finish straight. It's a curve. It's very, very. I, I I don't dislike either one or like one more than the other, but it's certainly a lot different than uh, than obviously than it is now in that part of the track. The rest of the track is relatively unchanged, mostly. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I imagine it'll be one of. The, I imagine Imola possibly will be the one to uh, to go if I had to guess. But uh, mm. yeah, they're adamant that they're they're not adding another. It's still going to be twenty three next year. So we'll uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, the Spanish Grand Prix stuff will be interesting. I'm sure there'll be more to talk about that soon enough. Uh, any other final thoughts on the Miami Grand Prix, which is now confirmed? No, not really. No, I think we've we talked we discussed this at length, anyways, uh, between two weeks ago as well. Speaking of other calendar assortments, uh, the it was announced this week the Japanese Grand Prix at Suzuka got another got another three year extension. So obviously, yes, yes I've, I've one of the favourites. I think it's a very unique market. Obviously, a unique track being a figure of a, a unique market, uh, unique fans uh, that always come with wearing fantastic stuff. Uh, one of my favourites, brilliant, ones, uh, like a it's like a helmet kind of thing, but uh, like a DRS kind of thing on the back it's, it's on the top it's uh, they're great i love the japanese fans obviously uh it would be it'll be the la- obviously this year will be the last one where honda uh, actually uh, are an engine supplier in it obviously we did f1 didn't go last year uh, so nothing of the sort that has suggested that we're not going to go there this year as well it's a very popular track some of this produced some very very good races I've, i have to say i am hoping that we'll get another deal at some point in the future where it's longer than three years because uh, that'd be an awful shame to lose that track in the future. But nevertheless, uh, just so, I guess something to keep uh, keep F1 and, and Japan going, at least for the time being, can only be a good thing. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, and Japan's interest is going to sort of balance out with Honda going out and Sonoda coming through. It's mm. sort of 
evens itself out, doesn't it? And the Honda back, I think Honda own the company in their own to the Suzuka track itself. So, yes. Yes. So that's, that's always good that they're in there somewhere. I think uh, Toyota is Fuji, if I remember correctly. Yes, that's believe- it. Yeah, that was their testing track, I believe, before it became like the proper Fuji track itself. Mm. Well, they certainly did when obviously F1 went there for the uh, two years. F1 was out of out of Suzuka, obviously in two thousand seven mm. and two thousand and eight. I think this time around they they'd be le- they'd be less interested Honda because unlike last, you know, un- unlike you know before when Honda were in F1, they're 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 just an engine supplier. They're not a team like they were before. So mm. the rooted interest is more so for Sonoda rather than Honda as a supplier. I don't think that's going to matter too much. It's more so, you know, getting around Sonoda and following him. Although <laughs> uh, even like even Takuma Sato had a, obviously was very, very popular. Uh, and he was not. Well, yeah, well, I think Koyashi was significantly better than Takuma Sato, who's had a much better career outside of F1 than he has had Definitely. in it. Big Indy 500. Uh, twice, two times winner yes, of twice. the Indy 500 Last now. year, wasn't it? Last yeah. year and 2017, the first year Fernando Alonso competed in it. So that was a very good race. So, it was, yeah. But yeah, Sonoda is a lot more promising than Kobayashi and Sato, but Kobayashi did get a podium there. So not for Sonoda to uh, live up to. Anyways, let's move on. Uh, some technical news this week. Why don't you tell us about Red Bull's uh, interesting hire they've made this week? So we all know that Red Bull have decided that they are going to take over Honda's engine supply type thing with their own branding. It is called Rebel Powertrains, and they have got on board main Mercedes man Ben Hodgkinson. I've never heard of him before. No, neither did I. (laughs) And it's not the appointment I was expecting. I was expecting Andy Cowell, who is the man behind Mercedes big engine Mm. for the V10, for the hybrid era, sorry. Yes. But he is coming from Mercedes, and that is a massive coup for Red Bull. Having someone with his experience, he's been with Mercedes Benz powertrains since the last, well, for the last twenty years, I think it is. So that's a someone with great experience, and he's, he's going to do a good job for him, I think. And it's a, it's a tidy little pickup. Yeah, regardless if you don't know what his name was before, obviously anyone involved with a prominent role in Mercedes uh, HPP department obviously is someone that you probably want on your side. So I can only see this as a good thing. Now, I believe he has to still run out the terms of his contract at Mercedes, so I don't think he can join immediately. So any likely work from him is likely to come, I'd say, on the 20... Well, well, if the engines freeze, but... So we're looking, the engine regs freeze next year, from next year. So we're looking possibly at his involvement really coming to the fore, I guess, 24, 25 possibly is what we're looking yeah, at. He's going to be on Gordon leave, isn't he? He's going to be, well, well for, for right now, yeah. Well, when he finishes his, he finish, I believe he has to finish his contract with Mercedes. And then yeah. the engines are frozen next year, as we know. Obviously, Red Bull wanted this. This is one, this is one of the things that they, they wanted. Everyone agreed to it. So... You know, we at the end of this year, well, the engines what we have, you know, for or from from sorry from next year rather, uh, are what we're gonna. I believe we're gonna be set for at least uh, at least the next few years. So, it still doesn't make it doesn't make it a bad hire by any means. I, I was expecting Andy Cowell to join as well because at some point because it's a very intriguing prospect. Like it's, I think it'd be a great project for him and a, a fresh challenge. Uh, but I guess he just didn't want to do Mercedes like that. Yeah, yeah, which is his loyal, isn't he? And he's, he's been there for God knows how many years. So I think he might just want to take a step back for a few years and then maybe come back and do something different for his last few years of his career. Yeah, we will. Before he retires. We'll see how that goes. But uh, yeah, that was, an, that was an interesting uh, item, nevertheless. Is there anything else that you'd like to uh, discuss before we bring up, before we uh, preview about, uh, about uh, this weekend's Grand Prix? I will blast through a couple of things, just briefly. Mm-hmm. Um, Esteban Ocon has come out after the Imola Grand Prix and said that Alpine have made a step in the right direction, but they are yet to show their true pace. Well, I'm sorry, why Why would you do the first two races and not show your true pace? Well, what's the point in turning up to them? I think, to be fair, uh, I think, to be fair, the second one, we, we couldn't really see what they were going to do in... 
Imla because he ended up stuck behind uh, Raikkonen's Sauber or Sauber yes. that's the wrong one that's an Alfa Romeo <laughs> it's very poor form Graham I know. I'm not happy shameful stuff uh, but to be fair so I don't think I think and look with the wet conditions as well maybe that car just doesn't work in the wet so like it, there's a lot of different factors as to why Alpine didn't really make too much of an impression they did get a double points finish in the end with a Raikkonen's penalty but I do think they were stuck behind that car for um, well, pretty much the uh, most of these dry running, so difficult to actually do anything about it. But I do think they see these every comment you heard out of Alpine or Alonso or Ockham were happy with the progress the car has made with the upgrade. So sounds to reason. I imagine they'll be pretty satisfied heading into into the into that race, but just need a cleaner qualify and well, <laughs> an opportunity to overtake, I suppose. Yeah, that's it. The next thing I had, um, following that crash with Russell, Bottas's power unit is broken beyond repair, so he's got a fresh power unit for Portimao. We're going to be upping that power and taking the fight to Lewis. Is he? Is he? <laughs> no, he's really not, is he? <laughs> and then the final thing I've got is George Russell come out and said that, uh, came out and said, sorry, that the Spanish Grand Prix would be a better track if we were to remove that final chicane, and I have to agree... But yeah. it's not going to happen on safety grounds, unfortunately. The, I was when watching the Portimao race last year. That last corner literally reminds me of what Barcelona should be. Yeah, it's got plenty of runoff area, and it that's that's what gets it, and that's why it's allowed compared to Barcelona, where there's grandstands and literally a small piece of gravel. <laughs> uh, plenty of overtakes we saw last year as well at that race. So, yeah. It's a shame, but yeah, obviously that chicane's been in place since 2007. So, again, whether maybe under the new formula or the new regulations, it might end up being a good track nah. again with Spain. No but I haven't had a good race with Spain in years. I was actually thinking about this the other day. I think I was genuinely thinking the last good race at Spain, I think, was 2017. I won't even say that was a good race. Well, you had the Vettel, Bottas, Hamilton stuff. That I think yeah. was uh, was uh, was pretty was pretty entertaining, if nothing else. That, that, like again, how, oh, the race Hamilton obviously won that day. It's Mercedes, uh, it's a Mercedes stronghold that track. But I thought that race was pretty satisfying, all things considered. Uh, the other one you could obviously take into account is 2016. If you if you want to agree, 17 then 2016 was the other good. The last then, good again, race. I'd say that wasn't a good race either. <laughs> if you want to, they were, literally, go, they were literally stuck. If you want to go further back, then you're probably going back to 23. 2012? Well, when Maldonado won was the last good Spanish race for me. So when we had um, loads of pit stops. So yeah, it's kind of a difficult one. So we'll see what happens with Spain's future. Uh, the Valtteri Bottas power unit thing is interesting because obviously we, do- we talked about Wolf uh, discussing last week how that may affect Mercedes's upgrades going forward in the cost cap F1 this year. So interesting the long term implications of that. Obviously, Bottas, will, I think, will some stage have to take a, an engine penalty for, excuse me, for a fresh components, whenever that may be later down the road. Bush seemed, yeah, he's going he's to have to at this stage with uh, obviously having to take, uh, not ideal to have a new para unit in on race two, but, or race three, rather. But, uh, no, really not, is it? Oh, well, uh, that's what happens, I suppose. <laughs> it's going to take the title out of his hands, isn't it? That's going to be the only thing that stops him. The, the title, yes. Yes, that the, is the only thing that is stopping Bottas from claiming that maiden title. The Valtteri Bottas title, that is definitely coming. <laughs> oh, we're ah. going to, oh, we're going to talk about the classic race. Go on then, two minutes, two minutes. Okay, so if you if you weren't aware, the classic... Uh, apparently, this is like the 12th year of this. I, I've never seen it before. It's, I've never been on social media. No, never Have seen it. it. But they were racing. If you this, it was, this was streamed on Sky Sports. I don't know. I think Goodwood as well had it on their YouTube yeah. channel streaming. Basically, basically, classic cars around Monaco uh, from F1's history, some 50s, 60s, and 70s and 80s, early 80s stuff as well. Uh, really fun to watch. Uh, obviously, there's a few things that came to mind. Obviously, the performance difference is very big. So, obviously... Uh, so some cars were it was it was basically like a Le Mans almost basically yeah the uh, LMP1 MP2 and uh, GT cars but um, the thing that really struck me this is the thing I want to look at like, but you could you can have very good races at Monaco but what I think the thing is that the cars are so much thinner mm. that there's so much more space 
And the thing with F1 cars, they're, all, they're two meters wide, which basically makes it impossible. But you could see how much space there actually was, even especially at the Lowe's hairpin, uh, to actually do something or down towards the Nouvelle Chicane. It was, uh, you, it's just the width of the cars is, is, is a huge issue. Otherwise, you could potentially have some a lot more exciting action. Yeah, yeah. I didn't seem to. I didn't catch much of it, but I saw a few screenshots, and you, you just you could see you could quite easily get them in there. It, it was weird to see. Normally, when I think of an F one car bouncing around Monaco, it's just a massive lorry, and you just can't get anything else past it. But them older cars, they looked. By the way, they looked immense. They did look good from some of the pictures, from some of the pictures I saw. Oof. Yeah, it was Ferrari. It was amazing to see those old cars go around like at full tilt, basically in color, basically as well. Mm, uh, they yeah. wanted, they obviously want to continue doing this. They want to bring back more cars next year because uh, they had some restrictions uh, this year, I believe, is what they mentioned. I didn't catch all of it myself, but I did catch as much as I could. Um, it's very, very painful to see an old car bend into a wall. John Alesi. Yes, that was it. Yeah, he smashed up. Well, was it Louder's Ferrari? I believe it was Louder's Ferrari, Oof. or Louder or uh, X's Ferrari. I can't remember which. It was Lotus that hit him though. Uh, Le Mans. I believe he's a triple Le Mans winner. Um, oh God. Marco Werner or Mark? I think Marcus or Marco. I, I can't yeah. quite remember, but hey, he tapped him coming out of uh, out, of the, out, of the, out of Anthony Noakes. But the action was actually quite enjoyable. So I think. It, People talk about Monaco as an ancient track, and yeah, it's F1's outgrown it slightly. But also, if the cars were thinner, you'd have a lot more, a lot more action. To be fair, so I don't know. It was very, it was interesting to watch. I just, yeah, it was just painful seeing like a nineteen fifties and the nineteen seventies or eighties F one car that the wings damaged and it's a real missing. Like, oh, how much is this going to cost? Now, cost of running was a lot less back then than yeah. it is now so it's not as bad but it's just you don't really turn much of an eye at an f1 car when it's damaged now but some knowing that how old some of those are and it's like oh this is this is this is painful to look at so there's a few crashes on the weekend but because it's a lot of older drivers basically and obviously john lacy was one of them so you're you're talking quite a few drivers in the 50s kind of 40s 50s even 60s i'd reckon for some people in terms of their yeah in terms of their age so i've got to i thought i wanted to mention that earlier but it was yeah it was just something very brief that was going on the weekend i'm not sure maybe some people would have actually uh caught like jean lacy for example is 56 years old so it's just crazy for, isn't just it? For, uh, but it was cool to see him like competitively drive around in a Ferrari at a, at a F1 track basically so yeah that was just all I wanted to say about that it was it was fun if you if you got to tune in I, I, I believe it probably got more viewers than the absolutely shambolic Formula E race I heard about it I, I believe uh, I believe the peak I'm not sure if the peak what, what today was for the the historic cars but I definitely saw 20,000 on Sky Sports as a on Sky Sports' channel the Formula E stuff I heard was a a, a complete farce I'll I'll say this. Imagine a Formula One with with a lap to go, all twenty cars run out of fuel with one <laughs> lap to go. Yeah, my word. I, I heard that was the uh, and then they stood. Then apparently they stood by it as well. Anyways, uh, speaking of, let's move on to the preview. Now this is one race last year that Bottas was convincingly beaten. It was an absolute whitewash last year. It was very very bad for Bottas. He was absolutely nowhere compared to uh, once Hamilton overtook him. I believe he ended up losing. I think I believe he was like, was he 20, 25 seconds behind in the end? It was over thirty. I think it was the biggest gap we've had from first to second since the hybrid turbo hybrid era it began. It was enormous because even because even if Mercedes have dominated, at least the other one was there. Whatever, regardless who won, the other second Mercedes was at least there, there ish when uh, mm. the other teams haven't been. So when Ferrari and Red Bull aren't quite there. So it yeah, it was a very bad one last time. What are your what are you looking for, I, I guess, heading into this weekend at Portimao? I want to see what AlphaTauri actually stack in yes. a race. That, that that's the thing that I want to see the most. I want to see what Gasly can do because it's just not really been there. So AlphaTauri stuffed him on the strategy in Imola. He broke his wing in Bahrain. So we've not really seen what he can deliver on that promise of that good car from testing. I so, still, yeah, I still think it's a very. I think I still think that car is legit, but we've again we've just not seen it yet. And 
they've got ground to make up because one of the things I'm looking towards is what can Ferrari continue to do? Like, mm-hmm. was Imola a one-off or are they legit the next best team behind McLaren potentially? So yeah, I'm looking to see what Ferrari are doing heading into this weekend. If again, yeah, if last week was just a blip or or not blip, a one-off or is it legit? Is this Ferrari much better than uh, than we thought? Or are the drivers just driving the socks off it and making up for the deficit? Both strong drivers. <laughs> so mm. interesting to see that. What else are you looking forward to heading into this uh, this weekend? I, I want to see Latifi do it. Have another good weekend. Do you? Yeah. No. no I want to. I'd, I'd like to see him just have one like solid weekend and see where he stacks against Russell. Just like obviously last season, we didn't really get to see it. Well, we didn't see yeah. it for a reason. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. But I won't knock a man whilst he's down. I, I would like to see him have at least one good race in F1. Never mind if he goes out at the end of the season. Just have one. See where you're at. And then we can sort of forget about you after that. Well, I mean, <laughs> that is that sounds. I mean, I think people have already, but. Yes. Uh, what is your thought on the the next round of uh, Hamilton Verstappen, Red Bull, Mercedes? What do you what do you think in heading into heading into this one? Obviously, it's going to be we expect they're going to be there thereabouts again, both sides. It's going to be close. Do you think at this stage, right now, at this footing, does it come down to the just the driver? What do you think, or do Red Bull yeah. still have a have a clear advantage? I don't think they do because like but in Bahrain, I was sure Red Bull were going to win. Imola, I was a, I was sure, but I wasn't as confident as I was. And now, after seeing Hamilton's pace in Imola, I'm not as convinced. If that track is dry, that car, that Mercedes, I think is going to be better suited than that Red Bull throughout the first and second, uh, first and third sector. The Red Bull will absolutely dominate in the second sector, but it, it, overall, it's going to be even closer than it was. Between Max and Lewis, then it, uh, and we might actually get an on-track battle once again, That'd be like we had in Bahrain, and that would be so spicy, so so spicy. Mm, that would be nice. I I I felt pretty confident that Verstappen and Red Bull would win in Imola before we for that weekend. Uh, it was a little closer than. Well, to be fair, it it wasn't. It wasn't closer than it should have been because obviously they should have had to press their advantage a little bit more on qualifying. Should Red Bull. Yeah, and the race was difficult because obviously there's a little bit of damage. Which, by the way, I think someone of Mercedes said that was worth six tenths a lap. Get no out of chance. here. There's no, there's no chance that little part was worth six tenths a lap. There's absolutely no way. Like, I'm sure it was. Uh, obviously, it was. It's every. There's no excess on an F1 car. Everything is there to serve a purpose. Without it, the car is slower. Okay, there's no about that but there's no chance that little panel was worth six tenths get out of here it'd be six tenths you'd have a bigger gap in qualifying if that was the case wouldn't you surely it so, wouldn't be that tight so that was that was a bizarre one i know it's saving face but jeez. anyways yeah. so, so it's hard to say because obviously once verstappen got like, the gap once verstappen got to around five seconds it was pretty stable and obviously with the dry conditions you didn't really see what the story was because obviously hamilton had gone off in the meantime so yeah, this might be a better chance to see where they're at since Bahrain, which of course, mm. uh, where I think Verstappen was quicker, but uh, once and had got well, he had got the move done, but did so off of the limits of the track. So, uh, but I think if he had him, he would have pulled away from him. But uh, yeah, so you can make the argument of two and four, like it's it. That's what's so exciting, and we it's exciting turning up to a race where you've no idea really, or little idea. Who could do what? Obviously, we saw Perez amongst the mix last year, or sorry, last time out. Uh, Bottas was obviously in the mix, in, well, at least the start of, of Portimao. Uh, it was looking good even in, in the build-up to the uh, Imola race, and then on Saturday happened. But uh, he needs a big weekend, does Bottas. Obviously, the crash wasn't really his fault, but he was having an awful time of things beforehand. Yeah, I, I can see it continuing on, to be honest. It, it's just not, I think it's going to be one of them seasons where Bottas just, it's just a man that's knocked down and just won't get back up again. I wonder if it's going to be similar to the last Felipe Massa season at Ferrari. Mm. where he, he knows he's coming. Yeah. 
and the performances just aren't there to his team. I don't know. It's it's a big weekend for him for sure. I think there's more pressure on him than any. Obviously, Sergio Perez needs to bounce back as well, but I don't think there's any pressure, any more pressure on any one driver. I'd say for the future, not just in F, not just in Mercedes, but I'd, like what? Where would he go if if Mercedes were to replace him at the end of the season? What like obviously the the driver seats are you know uh, here and there but there's no seat at ferrari uh there's no seat at Al- well there's a well i think the ocon's technically available for, uh, for the seat is technically available at the end of the year for ocon mm. but alonso's in one of those seats red bull okay they've got perez on one year i believe but you know are they likely to stick bottas in that car maybe but perez basically just has to show up and he's got that seat for himself uh, I, I, I don't know. Like, where would you? Two teams. Mm-hmm. Well, Williams has to be one of them, right? Williams is one, and Alfa Romeo. I was going to say Sauber is the other one. Then <laughs> Alfa, Alfa Romeo is the other. So, and that depends on Russell and Kimi. Now, obviously, heading into new regulations, th- those teams could be anywhere. But in theory, that's a pretty big, even operational, operation-wise, that's a big, big drop. So, Bottas, and this is year five for him now at Mercedes. So. You know he's been fine, but if he's nah. if he's now becoming the driver like that, the problem that Red Bull have had the last two years, where their second driver is costing them points because the other driver isn't up there, they're not, all of a sudden there will be a problem because while Mercedes has been dominant and had the best car, you know, and he's always basically get a podium basically, then it's not really a problem. But if he's there now languishing in P four or five when his teammates winning are at least close to the fight, then that is going to be a problem. Hell of a problem. That's not acceptable, is no. it? it? For a Mercedes driver, no, it won't be. Um, so, yeah, I am fast. I think that's maybe what I'm looking for the most is to see where Bottas is at and how he responds. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So is there anything else you'd like to add before we do a, pre- a quick prediction? Uh, two other drivers, Alonso and Danny Rick. So, Where are they at? Mm, so Alonso has said, Alonso was very honest in his assessment of that weekend. Um, has vowed to be better at Portimao, so we'll see how that gets on. Obviously, both drivers are still gaining grips with their new machinery. I think that was very evident in the wet conditions in that race that their teammates were perform to a higher level than them in that car where there's a bit more familiarity i don't i don't think that was a coincidence that most drivers who switch teams struggled compared to their teammates last weekend obviously science had the best run of it uh compared to uh, well he obviously was behind the clerk still but pretty close nevertheless so we'll see how much that stacks up and obviously a different kind of track in portimao not quite as uh, i'd say well not to say it's not a driver's track but imola is a hardcore example of a of a, of a driver's track I'd say yeah Kimmy came out and said it's a proper proper track mm. the one that he likes to drive uh, one that he should have won as well once part time but uh, yeah 2005 completely in well that was early in the race but he was pretty clear and uh, won the fabled uh, liability issues of that 2005 McLaren but yeah I mean you know it's, it's one of those so we'll see how those two get on I, mean, I do suspect they'll be have better weekends than uh, than than Imola yeah, definitely. definitely. It's just about time with the car, isn't it? That's all they need. Yeah, pretty much. So, prediction time. I'll go first here. I am going to predict that Lewis Hamilton will win this race this weekend. Win number 100. It will be win Is number right? 100. Yeah. I believe so. That's mad. Uh, or would it be pole 100? I think it's pole 100, actually, this weekend. Yes, sorry, yes. I, I knew it was 100-something. Yes, it's pole 100. So yes. a chance to chance to get a pole in position number 100. I, he is on win number 96 at the moment, so I'm thinking to 97 if he were to win oh. this weekend. So, But pole 100 is in, is in, uh, is in play. Uh, I don't know if he'll get that, but I do think whatever happens, I think, well, not whatever happens, of course. I think whatever way it falls... I think he will uh, end up victorious on Sunday. You're saying some of the uh, hashtag blessed luck is going to come into play again? Maybe not necessarily, but uh, it's obviously <laughs> it's obviously always in play. You know, you can't can't rule that out. 
<laughs> as we saw in Emily, yeah. Yeah, very much yeah. so. Uh, what have you guys you recovered a second there after the red flag? Uh, what have you got? I'm, I'm going to go the opposite and just be normal and be Max. Yeah, you can't go wrong yeah. really either way. Uh, I guess, well, who do you have for a podium spot then? Do you have Perez or Bottas getting getting back there? Because Or even or maybe someone else? I'm, I'm going to say Perez in second, actually. Wow, you're if, putting if, Mercedes if, down. Yeah, but if, 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 I, if I think Red Bull have a good weekend, I reckon both cars can be up there in the one-two and Perez will just sort of just hopefully follow Verstappen. So then Hamilton takes that third spot unwillingly. Mm, interesting. What about you? Uh, I would have thought Perez possibly as well. I just, my my faith in Valerie Pot- Bottas is an, I think at an all-time low. Yeah, so, I have to agree. Uh, so until he breaks out and proves us wrong, basically with a stonky performance, uh, I'm going to be leaning as and as while that Red Bull we think is a bit better still than the Mercedes, I'm still going to favour Sergio Perez in that spot. Yes, although I suppose we do have to start looking out for Charles Leclerc a little more if that Ferrari is uh, going to be there, and equally so Lando Norris as well and Ricardo yes, as well. Obviously, has to come that. into the mix as well. If uh, if this is where we're at, because I mean we're gonna have to start talking about this now. Yeah, hundred percent. So in saying that, fourth, fifth. Assuming that the top three are what Perez for Hamilton and Verstappen. That, yes. Uh, I'd probably say mm, Bottas and Norris, but pff, could go either way. I'm gonna go and say, ooh. Science in fourth, Stroll in fifth. Wow. Stroll went good there last year before he decided to... Uh... Crash into Norris, yeah. Yes, so I reckon he can do something wavy and be a madman. That's, that's the bold. And you know I'm like for a bold prediction. Yeah, or you'd like to shot on Bogas, but uh, who again is not in crash your... Crash out. Who again is not in your top five. Jeez. Uh... You get to it. It's going to get taken out by Latifi this week. <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> that would be funny. For a legit position. That would be, uh, yeah. that'd be, that'd be something all right. Do you have any final thoughts before we wrap up today? Uh, I, I do have one thing. Will Sebastian Vettel get out of Q1? Yes or no? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Even though I've just said para, uh, Stroll will get P5. I'll say yes. I think he'll just about squeeze out. I think maybe one of the Alpines could still be there. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah, <laughs> so I, I think he will, but it might be, might be close, and that's that's something in its own way. So, anyways, a very exciting uh, race week in store. So, hopefully, you enjoy it. I know I certainly will, and so I'm sure you certainly will. And uh, thank you again for joining me today. Thank you very much for allowing me to be part of your adventure. Oh, it's been adventure so far and only more to come as the season uh, kicks on uh, round number three of Hamilton and Verstappen hopefully heading on but I uh, want well, thank you I want well, thank everyone else for listening I uh, hope you enjoyed and hope you enjoyed the week and the race week my name has been Graham I've been John Alazy and we will see you next week goodbye goodbye